Lord, show us what you want us to see. Tell us what you want us to hear. And give us only what you want us to have. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this psalm is related to Psalm 38, Psalm 39, and then it kind of concludes this time in David's life, Psalm 40. Um, there's, it, it, and I don't know how long it was, but I'm going to say it's six or seven months um, because of, and I'm going to share some of my journey with you. And the reason I feel comfortable doing that when we're talking about Psalms is Psalms are personal journeys. And if David's doing it, the person presenting it should tie it in uh, personally. So um, 38, we find out that David sinned. We don't believe it's the sin of Bathsheba. We don't know what it was. We don't know if God pointed it out, if David saw it himself, or if someone else called him to account. We don't know that. But David is absolutely distraught. He's desperate in, in, in conviction and guilt. And he, 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 he speaks to that in Psalm 40, but 39, he's crying out pretty hard. Like, when is this going to get over? Cause there's some kind of physical affliction that comes as a result of his, of his, of his sin. And so we see this journey of David months worth of him praising God, but seeking God and confessing to God for 38, 39 and 40. And what you hear at the beginning of this, that what that song was based on, that um, he, he, he I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit, out of the miry clay. He's saying that God is finally releasing him from the burden that he's been. But then after that, he goes on and he praises God. And then, and then he, 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 he kind of a, tells God all the good that he's been doing, kind of bargaining with God a little bit. And then he asks God to smite his enemies because just like today, if someone is politically vulnerable, the political rivals will then try to exploit that vulnerability and gain power that was going on back then. And then after he does his little um, kind of bargaining with God and saying, God, smite them, he comes back to basically saying, I'm nothing. And this is the most powerful man on the planet at the time. Maybe not politically, but because he has the God of the universe on his side. Oh, does this man, David, who's king, have power? One other thing that you might notice, if you're, if you're really familiar with the Psalms, is right at the end, the last part of Psalm 40 is almost identical to all of Psalm 70. And um, that might not be meaningful to you, but some people would argue that he just kind of took it because he needed to fill in some verses. And I would argue against that because just like today, I will probably quote Isaiah 44, 22, but that's not a psalm, but it doesn't mean that it can't illuminate the psalm. So it, the fact that David uses another song that he wrote as part of the song that he's, he's writing is perfectly legitimate for a composer to do. Now, one other thing before we read the psalm, and that is that uh, we, we just heard this song called 40, but it's, I will sing a new song, a new song, a new song. You'll hear David talk about a new song. Well, that word for song in Hebrew is tehillah. And tehillim is the plural of that. Uh, the word psalm is tehillah, and the book of psalms is tehillim. So it is... A new song is this, and all the psalms, no matter what category they might fall in, the lament, the songs of lament, the psalms of praise, of thanksgiving, or even wisdom that are more, a little bit more like Proverbs, they're all songs of praise. Even laments are songs of praise. And I would argue that there's a, there's, there's a fifth category, and that is the raw psalms. 
And that's what we're going to be concentrating on for the most part over these next nine weeks. Um, not, not Grad Sunday. That's going to be a little bit more happy, happy, joy, joy. Um, it didn't really feel like a real raw song and celebrating kids' graduation. It just didn't feel right. Um, so with that said, I want you to hear David's angst, his desperation, his thanksgiving, and his asking God to restore even what David may have broken by, by, by having him overcome his enemies. But then listen to the end, because that's kind of where we're headed. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O oh Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you plan for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare sacrifice and offering. You don't desire, but my ears you've pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings, you don't require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, Lord, to save me. Lord, Come quickly to help me. And may all who seek to take my life to put to shame, uh, be put to shame and confusion. And may all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And may those who love your salvation always say the Lord is exalted. The Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help, my deliverer. Oh, my God, do not delay. He's the most powerful man on the planet and possibly the richest. And he says, I am poor and needy. Why? Because even David comes to the point where he realizes there's not anything he can do to fix his own circumstance. There is nothing he can do to make his life better. There is nothing. David, David, the one God picked. Remember when, when he sent his prophet to pick to, 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 to these, 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 these kids, these men, and there's one kid, and, and he's like, well, this isn't all of them. Where's the other one? 
Where's the little one? Where's the one, the, the one that no one thinks about, the least of these that's out with the sheep? Where is he? Bring him here. God picked him and made him king. He, he, he told him he would be king. He prepared him to be king. The current king didn't like that the new king was going to come up, and, and he used him with the Goliath thing and some other things, but there was a lot of trouble between them, but God protected him. God sought after him. God calls him friend. God anointed him and made him the king over God's people. He's the mouthpiece of God to his people. The king is like priest as well as the priests are like priests. God picked this man and grew him up to be the person that he was. But even him, even he is a sinner. Even he had been a murderer. He allowed Bathsheba's husband to be murdered. Uh, he, he, he sinned against God with Bathsheba. And there are a plethora of other sins that David has committed. And David, who, who was picked by God, anointed by God, installed as king by God, still has nothing he can do to fix his own circumstances. David, the king, is at the end of himself. When's the last time you were there? I'm going to tell you when I was there last, but when's the last time you were at the end of yourself? When's the last time you knew nothing that you can do can improve your circumstances? Because that is what David is saying, I waited and I waited and I waited and finally God heard me and he lifted me out. He put me in a place where this not slippery and I won't stumble. And then he goes through his stuff and he bargains with God a little bit and he reminds God of how, how faithful he's been. And he says, get rid of my enemies. But then he comes back, which is so often happens in the Psalms. It's shaking a fist, it's, it's anger, it's frustration, but it almost always ends with thanksgiving and praise and humility. When's the last time that you were actually at the end of yourself? And when's the last time you were gut honest with God? Now, I'm going to share some of my story because I'm allowed to, because that's what David's doing. In, and I've told you about this PMR, this polymyalgia rheumatica that I've been afflicted with in the last um, seven months. And it's getting a little bit better, little by little. I can measure it week to week. But I can tell you in January, twice I prayed to God, if this is my life, I don't want to live it. Take me home. Out loud. Um, and in February, and I, I worked hard. I did. I strived, which is not a good thing for Christians to do, even though we think it is. I strive to make myself right in front of God to, to, okay, Lord, if there's something I've done that's brought this on, you know, the whole, the whole causality and all that kind of, we all do it. But then I finally got to the point where I had a couple of days where I was just, I was done having a good attitude. And I, I, I sat on my couch in my office and I prayed and I said, Lord, I'm done. I'm not going to bargain with you. And then five minutes later, he showed me that I was bargaining with him. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Lord, I, haven't I suffered enough? Haven't I been injured enough? Haven't I been betrayed enough? Haven't I? And, I? and I've given my life to this. I've given my life to the study of your word. I proclaim it. I try to do, be faithful. You know, and I'm going through this whole little list of things that makes me deserving of some kind of relief from God. And he just went, what are you, what are you doing? And from that point forward, I'm not saying that you should be praying my prayer. But from that point forward, this is what my prayer life has been. This is how it starts. Lord, tell me, show or tell either one first, but Lord, show me what you want me to see. Tell me what you want me to hear and give me only 
what you want me to have. And just this week, started a prayer off like that, and I just waited. And he brought to mind my friends, the Mervines, John and Barb. So I picked up my phone. How you guys doing? You just came to mind. Didn't know they were sick, but they're sick. I never would have known that because they're private people and they wouldn't tell me. But if I ask, they're willing to share. I just think that, that, that there's something about coming to God with his agenda instead of coming to God with mine. David is coming with his agenda, but he also knows that the only way that his agenda is going to be met or that anything is going to change is God. And what I think is beautiful here is that David, throughout 38, 39, and 40, those Psalms, it becomes, it becomes very clear that David knows that his calamity is on him and his deliverance is only going to come from God. And I want to ask you a question. We all bargain with God. We all do it. David does it right here. We all do it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to do that, but I'm done personally with, with, with my petitions, my list. I, if I have a prayer list of people, I will pray for them. But my things, what I want God to do, I'm done with it. I'm not saying it won't ever come back. And it's, it's perfectly legitimate to come to God with petitions, to ask him questions, to, to say, or to ask him for things, to, you know, that have no anxiety about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests be known unto God and the peace that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just saying that I know that I, I fall into the temptation of coming to God with my agenda and not coming to God for his agenda. And there's some pieces in this psalm that I think we can learn from. One is this. I've been around this area for 30 years. I, was, I, went to, well, I grew up in, in, in high school, middle school, high school in, in Grand Rapids, but I went to Hope College from 84 to 88, moved away till 91, back here since June of 91. And I've been in ministry those, those whole 30 years, and I've seen and heard some things in this area that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just mention to you today. It's not a call out. It's not a, 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 an accusation, but it is, a, I'm going to ask you some questions and I hope you'll be honest. One of the things that I've realized um, after 30 years of ministry in this area, both those sacred moments, like what I was talking about with that family yesterday, but also some things that I think are hiccups to our upper middle class churchianity in Western Michigan. See, we would never say it out loud, but some of us believe that God's job is to make our lives easier. And it's not. We think that God wants us to be happy, and he doesn't. He wants us to be holy. And one of the struggles that I've had in the last seven months is that I'm trying, I was trying really hard to be to be uh, joyful in hope and really hard to be, trying really hard to be um, faithful in prayer. But there's a couple of words right in the middle of that verse, patient in affliction. And you know what? I've learned a lot more about God in affliction in my life than I have from the hope or for the prayer. And so has David. Not just in this psalm. You'll hear more and more of them. So I want to ask you, are you willing to come to God 
raw. Because sometimes we clean ourselves up before we allow Jesus to cleanse us. So he talks right here about our salvation. We know that Jesus is our deliverer. And it tells us right here that, that those religious things, they don't work. You know, yes, God set up the whole religious system, the sacrificing of animals and, the, you know, the burnt offerings and all that stuff that David talks about. And he says that that's not what God desires. Well, right, but he set it up, so shouldn't we do it? Well, okay, but why did God set that system up? So that we would know that our sin costs. It costs when I have to give up a blemish-free lamb or, a, or, 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 or some other kind of an animal. It costs me Something needs to die so I can be made right with God. But it also shows us that it costs others when I sin against them. And God, and it was all set up to show that God, it was his cost. He was willing to pay the cost to set us free. He, he, the sacrificial lamb, Jesus became the sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And his blood was shed. And we, we cry out in thanksgiving to God in our songs because we, get, we go from grace to grace that our sin is forgiven, our chains are gone, but it was costly. So if it were costly, if God was willing to pay this great cost, if David sees the great cost, what is it? Why don't why do we try to change it and make ourselves look better before God, before we ask him for something? We're trying to convince him sometimes that we're better than we are. And that, my friends, is idolatry. We're creating God in our image instead of coming to God the way he wants us to come, to give him something to work with, to come and be at the end of ourselves and go, I have nothing, Lord, nothing. I'm a mess. And yes, I try. And yes, I do. And yes, I do. And yes, I do. And then I look back and it's just a lot of doo-doo. It is. David is being absolutely honest with God. And yes, he bargains. But where does he land? I got nothing. And I think it's a glorious thing to think about before we approach the table. See, sin costs God. And when we have it, even when we don't know it, he's still willing to pay for it. He tells us to do this and remember him. What are we remembering? We're remembering that he is our deliverer. He is the one who pulls us out of the miry pit. He's the one that puts us on a rock and makes it so that we're not going to slip. He's the one that gives us salvation. Nothing that we've done, nothing that I'm able to do, nothing can change my circumstances, only God and God alone. So folks, go to God raw. If you want to shake your fist at God, he's not afraid of you. But do not, please, I implore you as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, do not try to make yourself look better before God. Because that's like showing up to judgment and saying, look what I've done. It should be, help me. Help me. The only shot I have is you. So with those ideas in mind, I want to read this other version. It's, it's the same. It's just a different translation. And I want to read it to you because I think it's more speaking my language. It's from Eugene Peterson. He's an expert in the Psalms. And he, he tried to communicate every meaning of every word well. The NIV did a great job. But I think, I think you'll see the difference. I waited 
And I waited and I waited for God. And at last he looked, he finally listened. He lifted me out of the ditch. He pulled me from deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Blessed are those who give yourselves, or blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing. Ignore what the world worships. The, the world's a huge stockpile of God wonders and God thoughts. Nothing and no one comes close to you, God. I start talking about you, telling what I know, and I quickly run out of words. Neither numbers nor words account for you. Doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me. I'm coming to the party that you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life, became part of my very being. I've preached you into the whole congregation. I've kept, I've kept back nothing, God. You know that. I didn't keep the news of your, day, of your ways a secret. I didn't keep them to myself. I told it all how dependable you are, how thorough. I didn't hold back pieces of love and truth for myself alone. I told it all. Let the congregation know the whole story. Now, God, don't hold out on me. Don't hold back your passion. Your love and truth are all that keeps me together. When troubles ganged up on me, a mob of sins past counting, I was so swamped by guilt I couldn't see my way clear. My guilt, more guilt in my heart than hair on my head, so heavy the guilt that my heart gave out. Soften up, God, and intervene. Hurry and give me some help. Those who are trying to kidnap my soul will be so that, so that those who, who, who are trying to kidnap my soul will be embarrassed and lose faith. So anyone who gets a kick out of making me miserable will be heckled in disgrace. So those who pray for my ruin will be booed and jeered without mercy. But all who are hunting for you, oh, let them sing and be happy. Let those who know what you're all about tell the world you're great and not quitting. And me? I'm a mess. I'm nothing. I have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes. But God, don't put it off. I'm fearful that sometimes we figure out what it means to be a Christian. And we think it means to present ourselves well to God. I think it's to present yourself honest with God so that he can change you because it is what he desires for you that trumps your desire for you. And this isn't new. The, first, the oldest book in the Old Testament is Job. You know what happened to Job and how he cried out. We see his prophet Elijah, his prophet Elijah, who after he took on Ahab, sat down on a rock and said, basically, cursed be the day I was born. You see Paul, who spends an entire lifetime, the second half of his life, trying to get God to take away this thing that's 
bugging him and bugging him and bugging him. But Paul had to come to the end of himself. Even Jesus came to the end of his humanity in the garden. And he cried out to the Father and said, take this cup of suffering from me. But not what I want, what you want. May that be true of all of us. That we come to God raw and honest. But we ask God for his desire for us, not our desire for us. Amen.